0: Alright, what's up guys? I just wanted to invite you to spend a little bit of time with me. My name is Michael Signorelli and I'm here in my kitchen right now and I've got my NIV Bible open and I just wanted to kind of share some thoughts today about some things that I've been dwelling on specifically um, about love and fear and faith And this is just going to be a cool little thing, man. I've got my phone out and recording this podcast. And I just want to invite you to hang with me while I kind of go through some studies. And you can just spend this time with me and, um, you know, kind of go on this journey with me. So I'm just going to go ahead and let it rip. Um, I'm looking at Luke 7.36. You have this really interesting picture. Let me just read it for you. It says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And um, what I think is just funny to think about is, is Jesus, you know, um, just reclining at this table at the Pharisee's house. You know, sometimes you get in these circles where these people have this like fake prestige on them. And so you kind of get nervous and you walk in and you're like, you know, trying to be prim and proper. And I hope I can impress them and I hope I can say the right jokes or whatever. And, you know, just just that little tidbit in there, Jesus reclined at the table. It's just like a place of comfortability, knowing that. Um, sometimes people don't have real confidence, they have bravado. So maybe this Pharisee uh, had more bravado than real confidence, and Jesus saw right through it and said, you know, I'm just going to kick it and kind of relax at this table. And then you've got this woman in contrast to him who shows up, and she already has a reputation of living a sinful life. And it says that she comes there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and then verse 38 says, "As, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, and I think this is something that didn't stand out to me. You know, and I preached this recently in Colombia, and, and when I was in South America, I felt like this was partly what God wanted me to bring. And I never noticed this. Let me read it again. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping. So you can almost imagine Jesus' feet pointed like, like he's reclining, but they're in the chair behind. And she's come behind him and she's weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And right there you have the first instant of an identity issue. And he says this, if this man... And it's just like, even that is so disrespectful. It's like, this is the Messiah. This is God in flesh. And this Pharisee is like, yo, if this man who's reclining, just chilling at my table, were even a prophet, let alone the Messiah, he would know who she really is. And then Jesus answers him. And I love the red letters. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he says, tell me, teacher, he said, Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. And so he forgave the debts of both. Which one of them will love him more? And so Jesus, I think to be honest with you, man, uh, my name is Mike Signorelli and I've got this Italian Dago element to me. And if if this guy would have been like, hey, if this man were a prophet, knowing my true status... Is the Messiah. If I were Jesus, that would have been the moment where I gave him the backhand. Or, you know, maybe I said something to like chop him down. But Jesus always had this way of speaking to the heart. He always had this way of, you know, even asking a question that cut to the very core essence of what somebody was struggling with. And he says, now which one of them will love him more? So it's like, okay, you've got two people. And, and one owes 500 denari- denarii. If you look at the note, you know, that's usually a, day, a daily wage for a day laborer, right? And so he's like, and then the other one, 50, which one's going to love more? And then Simon replies, well, <laughs> I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And he says, you have judged correctly. And to me, it's like this guy doesn't even realize that Jesus has just set him up to straight up body slam him right now. And he says, then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You know, I think that's important because this is a dignity issue. It's like Jesus walks in. He is literally God in flesh. But, you know, at that time, because of the journeys and travels and and their culture, the, the feet would be covered with dirt, maybe even dung from the road and different traveling animals. And so it's like, to come into this place, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't create an atmosphere of hospitality where I was comfortable, where I was acknowledged for who I really was. But this woman, you know, the hair represents the dignity of a woman. And I I think about this woman. She has a reputation of being a sinner. So she's making, you know, women, they they get their hair done. When my wife, Julie, goes to get her hair done, it's going to cost me a little bit of money. It's going to take a little bit of time. And so, you know, a woman's glory—you know—it's like her her hair represents so much more um, than we really have expounded in this text in Luke's chapter seven. But what it really represents is 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 her saying. That that my dignity, the thing that I would use to attract a man to me, the, the thing that I would use uh, to, to bring a man in, into, into my focal point and to say, hey, look at look at the youth of my hair, the attractiveness of my hair, look at the sensuality and the sexuality of my hair. She is now behind Jesus, literally washing his feet with this same hair. And he says, and then and Jesus is now doing more of this parallelism and said, You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered was not stopped, has not stopped kissing my feet. And and I just love that because it's just like, what does a kiss represent? You know, a kiss among friends. Uh, you know, when I moved to New York and <laughs> it was so funny because I was so socially awkward because in the Midwest, it's like, we hug a lot, you know, their families are close, but there's this whole New York like, especially in the Italian New York um, families, this like um, kiss and they do it in Latin America. They do it in Europe and different places. but I was always surprised and it would it's funny because I have a beard and at that point I had a huge beard, so it's like women were always landing these awkward kisses on my beard, my neck, because I, I forgot that that was a part of it. But it was just something, it's a form of closeness, you know, like you're kissed by your mother, you're kissed by family, you know. And so he's like, well, you know, I came in here and there wasn't a closeness When I, you were here to examine me, you were here to put me on trial in your house. Like, you know, you invited me over for all the wrong reasons. You know, I think about the Pharisees of today, the people who invite Jesus into their churches for all the wrong reasons, the people who invite Jesus into their house for all the wrong reasons. You know, maybe the Jesus of religion because it makes you look pious. Makes you look better than you really are. Maybe the Jesus of um, of of tradition, the 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 American Jesus. You know the 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 Jesus that you you put on your. Uh you know, your wardrobe so that you can you can fit in with all the other traditional American Christians. You know, like, like you brought Jesus in for all the wrong reasons, but this woman, it was different. She came to him for all the right reasons. She was acknowledging out of a deep revelation of understanding who he really was that I cannot stop kissing you. He says, but... And then, he, and then Jesus, in verse 46, he's continuing this parallelism. He says, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. You know, just going back to the oil on the head, you know, I went back and I've been studying the anointing. You hear a lot of Christians say that term a lot. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing. But I was like, where, where did this originate? You know, what, what is the origins of the anointing? And, you know, and this is just a quick historical side note, shepherds would literally pour uh, olive oil on the heads of the sheep. And the reason why they did that is because the the sheeps um, it, it's it's like the hair and the wool it's so matted and thick. gnats and bugs and uh, would get kind of like in the ear canal, in the eyes, they would nest, they would replicate. Um, you know and so that the, keeping the, the bugs out of the sheep's ears, um, actually would preserve the life of the sheep because it would stop like the spread of disease um, through through the pests and it was it was a necessary thing to actually pour the anointing oil uh, but at that time the the olive oil over the head and completely saturate so that it would create conditions where those bugs could not stick and lay eggs and and actually go in in deep inside the ear canals and the eyes and different things and it's a really beautiful picture of. Um, you know, going back to the roots of understanding, when when God uh, anoints you, when he, what he's essentially doing is pouring that oil over your head, and as it's running down. He's creating the conditions where the enemy or the lies that Satan tries to speak or the lies that other people try to speak, they're not able to fully nest and get into your inner ear canal. They're not fully able to create a bed and and infest you with more diseases. But the anointing is a covering. The anointing comes over your head. And it's funny too, because this guy was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. If if anyone was going to anoint you, if anyone was going to pour the oil and protect you, it would be a Pharisee. And Jesus is saying, You didn't even put the oil on my head, but this woman has poured perfume on my feet. And, and so this woman is taking care of Jesus in a way that's showing worship, in a way that's releasing all of her dignity and it's in, in here and her pride, and it's being translated into Jesus as, as an exaltation and lifting up. And, and then verse 47 says, Therefore I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus says to her, and this is verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Then verse 49 says, the other guests begin to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. You know, we think about love, we think about fear, we think about faith. You know, Jesus waits sometimes until you're completely empty to fill you up. Jesus waits until you're at that moment where you have this terrible, sinful reputation where you're like, I really don't have anything left. I have no identity. I have no self-worth. I I just, I've been rejected. I've been used. I've been abused. I've been chewed up and spit out and I'm um, yesterday's old news. My best days are behind me. And I, I just I don't think that that I have a future. And and in those moments, you know, we have to activate the faith that this woman did. She came to Jesus saying, man, if I really she tried to give him the perfume, but really what she was giving him was a bunch of her own garbage. And saying, if there was ever a person that I could take what little is left of my life and cover it with the smell of this perfume, because really she knew that her life was so filthy. She knew that she had nothing to offer Jesus. You know, the perfume. When you really look at the heart of the issue here, was a cover up. It was cover. It was a cover up. Like her hair. What it? What is the hair? It's a cover up. And so it's like she's covering up. She's trying. I'll wash his feet with my heat. With my hair. I- I'll. I'll disguised with my tears, you know what and with the perfume, and you know, really this the stench of the real situation of my life. Because I know deep down inside I don't have nothing to offer this guy. I know that that I don't really have any kind of reputation to bring. And, and it's just so beautiful because that is such a picture for what how we really come to Jesus. You know, we, we stand in church, some of us on Sundays, and we sing these songs out. And we're like, look, God, we showed up. Look, God, here's the perfume. And God's looking at our true humanity, and he's saying, listen, we both know you're really not offering me much. But it's you that I wanted the whole time, not the perfume, not, not the tears that you washed my feet with. It was you that I wanted the whole time in complete surrender, in relationship, acknowledging me for who I really am to you. And, and I think that's, to me, the real tragedy of the story isn't this woman's past because it was nothing for Jesus to say, hey, you're totally forgiven. The real tragedy is this, is that you've got a Pharisee who had Jesus in his midst but never had a real relationship. And to me, when I think about, you know, the the many times my mom growing up forced me to go to church, you know, the many times that I, I looked at people come and go in ministry in the last... 10 years. The tragedy is that Jesus was in their midst and, and and really he wanted to heal. He wanted to forgive. He wanted to release and they missed it. So these are some of my meditations that I wanted to share with you. Um, you know, I've preached this in a couple different countries and a couple different flavors, but I keep coming back to it. And every single time God shows me something new, uh, Luke chapter seven, verse 36, man, is um, it's just, it goes down to the bedrock of your foundation because it's the separation between religion and relationship. And you see this picture of the Pharisee, and you see this picture of this woman. And I think in Columbia, I'd made this statement I'd rather be the whore at Jesus' feet than be the Pharisee sitting at the table. You know, there's a lot of people that get the seat at the table, and we look at them in society, and we're like, man, I, I, I hope someday I can have that kind of prestige. I, I hope someday I can have that title. I hope someday that I can be sitting at that table. And maybe God's message to you while you're listening to this is, don't don't be so worried about sitting at the table. Why don't you be a little bit more concerned washing Jesus' feet? on the floor. You know, why don't you be a little bit more concerned about pouring out the rest of your dignity and the rest of your pride so that Jesus can truly heal you. So yeah, man, (laughs) I I promise you I get blasted uh, more than you ever will (laughs) when I go through this, but um, this podcast and the purpose of it is for you to hear um, my journey out loud, to follow through Scripture with me, um, to be built up. We'll be talking about leadership. We'll be talking about um, you know the intimate things of God and personal things and everything under the sun. Music, my interests, whatever. But um, I just got to a place where I was like, you know, I'm going to uh, make an audio version of some of the stuff that God's speaking to me in in my secret place and. And this is it. So, anyways, uh, here on iTunes, if you're listening on iTunes, hit the subscribe button and uh, make sure to keep up. Uh, if you're on SoundCloud, you know, repost it, show some love. And, uh, you know, spread the message. If this impacted you in any way, take an action after you get done listening to it and put it up online so other people can hear. Um, It might be the best 15 to 20 minutes that they spend today. But let me let me actually do something kind of crazy. Let me let me pray uh, for everyone listening. And let me just pray for you while you're listening right now um, just to close it out. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that under the sound of my voice that you are causing a heart change to take place in every person that's listening. I, I thank you, Father God, that there are some Pharisees that are saying, yeah, you know what, I, I, I would have been the Pharisee that would have heard Jesus say, Uh, Man, you didn't wash my feet and jumped down and started washing his feet with my own tears. And I'm the Pharisee that that maybe would have heard him say you didn't kiss me and then say, Jesus, I'm going to be quick to repent. Yeah, I'm going to start kissing you right now. You know, you, you didn't put oil on my head. And maybe you're the Pharisee who says, you know what, I'm ready to go run right now and start pouring, pouring the oil. Lord, I thank you that a heart change is taking place. If there's pastors and ministers and you're you're listening right now, I just pray that God would awaken something in your heart to show that you've lost it, that maybe at one point you were, um, maybe you were the whore at Jesus' feet, but you were being uh, in a true place of truth and worship, but you've come now to full translation of this pharisaical faith, and, and God is changing your heart right now, and I just pray for your heart. Um, I pray for maybe the person who's listening right now and you're saying, you know, I don't have nothing to offer God and man I couldn't even go afford a bottle of perfume to mask all of my garbage if I have to and my message to you as we pray right now is that you would just open up your mouth and pour out your words like a sweet perfume tell them how much you love them tell them how much you need Jesus in your life and he's going to respond with you have been forgiven and your faith has made you whole and I just pray that every chain and bondage of identity would be broken off of you right now and and I I pray right now that every single person listening right now would get a true revelation of who Jesus is, not the Jesus of convenience, not the one that we invite over our houses when we need them uh, to look a uh, certain status or, or, to, or to investigate. But no, we want a real relationship. This is an investigation. This is a total commitment and a total heart change that's happening. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name for these things. Amen. Amen. All right, (laughs) well, there's 20 minutes. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. This is Mike Signorelli. Peace.